0: Hello and welcome to the OM Stockroom. We're your hosts, Brian McGarry
1: and Ken O'Malley.
0: Tonight is episode uh, 13 of Complimentary Cinema. If you're new to the channel, Complimentary Cinema is a program where we review and discuss films that you can watch for free on YouTube. Be warned that we discuss these films in detail. So consider this a full spoiler alerts. So uh, tonight we have picked uh, the 1989 film arena and it was my turn to pick this film and I picked it uh, in about like literally within the first 10 seconds of scrolling the free with ads section on the YouTube movie channel and uh, let's see uh, w- what drew me to it uh, this particular one was a uh, Armin Shimmerman and Mark Alemo who were both uh, Star Trek Deep Space Nine alumni
1: and not only just alumni but excellent character actors uh,
0: fantastic character actors so uh, that, was, uh, that was how we picked this one this uh, this time around. Uh, let's talk about our little cast of characters a little bit. We got Paul Satterfield as Steve Armstrong, Hamilton Camp as Shorty, Claudia Christian of uh, Babylon 5 as Quinn, Mark Alemo as Rogor, Sherry Shattuck as Jade, uh, Armin Shimmerman as Weasel, and a bunch of inconsequential characters uh, background uh, actors and such. So, uh, how, how, how would you summarize in like one sentence? How would you summarize this film?
1: Um, it's a shitty alien, Rocky movie,
0: shitty alien, Rocky,
1: or not even Rocky, just a shitty alien boxing movie. I mean,
0: uh, yeah. see, for, for me, it was like Rocky versus like meets flash Gordon. Mm-hmm. It's kind of how it felt.
1: Yeah. Uh, there's, a, there's a bunch of wacky aliens, and uh, a very thin plot.
0: So, uh, so essentially, you know, we we find this like really rundown, shitty-looking space station, just floating in space, which uh, hosts the arena, which is like this intergalactic um, stadium for uh, basically fight matches. From species from all over the galaxy and i mean the, the space station really looks like a toilet
1: it's very run down
0: it's incredibly run down like you, there's you, oil dripping off the walls and everything
1: that's what i was gonna say you mentioned that during the film it's like this this place is just completely filthy and uh it, it looks very well used
0: very well used and like the outside of it looked i mean they actually built the model like an actual you know scale miniature model for this space station. And it looks like ass. Yeah. Like there's, they could have actually like have done, they could have done something with it. They could have lit it nice. They could have added some extra windows, maybe not made it like a box, like with the spinning top, but that's what they went for with this. And it just, just an ugly, uh, just a very ugly space station. But apparently it's where uh, it's the place to be. If you're into uh, the, these fight matches, and uh, so early in the film, we uh, we basically see like a, a slop house, like a kind of like fast food diner, and we meet the uh, and I use the term loosely the hero of this film, Steve Armstrong, played by Paul Satterfield. And he's
1: it, a very pretty man.
0: He's a very pretty man. He's he's mostly just a square jaw.
1: He's got the appropriate number of abs.
0: He has the appropriate number of abs. He's he's got the pectorals. He's got the muscles. Uh, but he he, ha- uh, it, he so he plays the short order cook who gets into it with a customer and it's like oh he can fight, humans can't fight, humans haven't won the fancy matches in fifty years, and here's the interesting thing about Steve, Steve trained his whole life for the matches, <laughs> Steve just he watched the old retransmissions of old matches with the old human heroes. And it's basically all, the, all everything that this guy ever wanted to do, and he even left Earth to come hang out at this shitty-ass space station to fight in the matches. But since he got turned down right away, he just completely fucking gave up on his dream.
1: <sighs> I'm so exasperated by this movie. Um, this is like the attempt at a backstory. Is the fact that he just loved all this fighting and, like, he has an encyclopedic knowledge of all the old fighters and he even meets one of them or someone involved with it. Uh, it was like the homeless guy. Yeah. He, he, he You know, he, he knows all this stuff, but apparently, when he hit the first roadblock and he couldn't get into the fighting, he just gave up on it completely
0: and became a short order cook and a really bad one at that.
1: Somehow he kept all the muscles going. though. But
0: he kept all the muscles going. Apparently he kept training.
1: But he didn't. Working out. But he because he gave up.
0: But he gave up. I, you know, whatever. The, the the plot's a mess. So long story short, you know, so he loses his job. The guy who hired him, Shorty.
1: He He's a four-armed alien. He's a
0: four-armed alien who basically looks human, but with four arms. Basically, it's one guy walking around with another guy kind of hugging him. And it's incredibly distracting for the whole film.
1: And then in all the long shots, the, the arms are either under his cloak or they're just hanging down.
0: They're just prosthetics just hanging down, yeah.
1: D- I terrible. noticed that immediately when he was oh, walking yeah. around hallways. His arms were just flopping just around. Just flopping,
0: yeah. Just mannequin arms, just wiggling around. Yeah, so anyway, so you know, so Steve gets in this fight with a, you know with an angry customer. And instead of the is always right, they just kick the customer's ass and throw him through a fucking window. Which, having worked in restaurants and in you know, the service sector for a long time, I I understand. I don't necessarily condone it, but I understand.
1: We all have been there. At we've some point, we've all been there. We've all been there. We wanted to be there.
0: So he loses his job, which means he also loses his quote unquote crib, is basically the cage that he's been sleeping in.
1: Yeah, and they talk about how if you if you don't have a job, then you're delinquent, so they could they can extradite you from the station or what was the word? They uh, kick you out.
0: Yeah, they evict you, whatever. Yeah, eviction. Which is, I guess. Which is funny because all the all that this guy wants is to go back to Earth, right? Yes. So if they if they export him, there we go. Export. If they yeah. ex export, I can't remember. We don't have the mouth words right now. I'm yeah. sorry.
1: But, uh, but where were they going to send him? Where are they going to send him back to Earth? The I mean, that's kind planet? of what he
0: wants. You know. Yeah. Would it be to? Who knows? They don't say, and nobody cares to enough the to find camps. out. To labor camps. To labor camps. Yeah. So.
1: So anyway, he shorty shorty's got him covered. He's basically there's like this whole underground like people living in the tunnels. They call it the tubes. The tubes. Uh, and so the, basically there's a bunch of people living in the cracks of the station, down in I don't even know what this area was supposed to be. Um, the plumbing. It's basically like the plumbing utility t- tunnels and stuff. And he's got a nice little place in there. Um,
0: he's got a sweet little pad. Yeah, you know, and- it's.
1: Uh, it's trashy, but it's it's nicer it, than a lot of where the other people are living. You know, which apparently were metal cribs, right? So yeah, he he he's got a nice little place, and he's uh they're gonna they're gonna start over. He's gonna you know do something new. They're they're talking about different jobs or whatever, and uh,
0: for for some reason that I I never quite figured out, but
1: it was because uh that guy. The guy that he fought in the diner was a fighter. Yes, Vang. Training for Quinn, fighting for Quinn. So Quinn's guys came to beat him up because he beat up Quinn's guy.
0: And they come and they beat him up. And, and here's the thing. So, you know, there's...
1: If that our, sounded confusing, we were both confused when they showed up to beat him up.
0: Yeah, that didn't really necessarily make sense. Because it's like, you know, so so the first thing they tell you about, about Steve is that, oh, my God, he's a fighter. This guy can fight. He loves fights. He loves watching the fights. He's trained all of his life to fight, and in the the second time we see him in an altercation, he gets his ass kicked by two not terribly impressive guys. Yeah, normal guys. Just two normal guys just getting the shit kicked out of him. He them.
1: gets thrown in piles of trash against through pipes and and all around this whole set.
0: Yeah, and then and then Quinn shows up. Oh, oh man, the great reveal for Quinn is great. Is uh. And she comes walking through and like the smoke just kind of uh, billows away. That was great. And random. Okay. and I just, just going back a little bit prior to all of this, we see Quinn with another one of his, another one of her fighters spinner, which I don't even know what the hell that thing
1: was. I I love spinner. I wish he would have come back later in the movie.
0: Yeah. he, He really deserved it. He basically was like a robot reptile thing. Yeah. With like a half helmet head.
1: Yeah. And like part of the, uh, the, the back of his helmet was like his brain was exposed, too. And there was like a glass thing over it. It was very interesting. Just
0: a dome piece. Yeah. So, you know, but anyway, so so he was fighting. Oh, God. If this sounds Horns. convoluted, it, if this sounds convoluted, it is a horn 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 was uh, Mr. Rogar's champion fighter. Mr. Rogar being Mark Lemo.
1: He was kind of like a half Android, half Minotaur kind of guy. He he reminded
0: me most really of Beastman Man from uh, Masters of the Universe, mm. just with like some mechanical prosthetics thrown into the mix. So long story short, so you got Quinn who's who, who you know has all these people that she's training to fight, and then you got Mister Rogar who's got a, a, a presumably somebody more than Mister Horn, but we never really see any fighters other than Horn.
1: Yeah, well, you know who's Mister Rogar? We, we, Mark we, Lamo. We didn't. He's the I other. He's the other guy who, who. I know who it is. I'm asking for the audience here. Well, I'm trying to
0: explain for the audience. <laughs> oh, okay, but why don't you explain, Kent? Since you yeah, got he, this, he's
1: the bad guy. <laughs> he is the overseer of the games, and uh, he he's kind of in charge of the championship. And he also tries to kind of fix matches the way he wants them to go.
0: And to call Mr. Rogar the bad guy.
1: Yeah, he's, well,
0: he's a he's probably like the most
1: bad guy. He's the head guy in charge.
0: He's the head guy in charge of some of the bad guys. Yeah, because I wouldn't say there are actually any likable good people in the film, except for maybe Shorty.
1: Yeah, he's not really likable, though. He's just the least offensive,
0: the le- the least awful. Yeah, bad guy,
1: I guess, would he be Shorty. Threw, he threw the one guy off the scaffolding. That's, That's why true. I he did, Shorty. He,
0: he does have blood on his hands. But, I don't yeah. think Steve ever killed anybody in this film, but Shorty did. There, I don't even think Mr. Rogar killed anybody in this film. Huh. I mean, we're kind of jumping to the end of the film. Did there, anyone else die in this movie? I don't think so. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that the only two people who died, died huh. because of Mr.
1: Shorty. Huh. Interesting. So this movie is really about Shorty the Killer. So I would say he is the hero then, because he he rid us of <laughs> more <laughs> people from of, this. He,
0: he rid us, rid of, rid us of a couple of uh, terrible characters.
1: So anyway, there's basically the 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 the, the fighting people <laughs> and their sponsors is really what the the movie is about. Then, so Shorty is playing the the coach kind of role. He's the coach for the good guys. Yeah,
0: Steve being our our blonde, square jawed Flash Spider-Man. Gordon Rocky,
1: and then Quinn is the the producer. She's she's like the trainer. She's
0: like the Don King of of the good guys. Yeah, Mr. Rogar being like the Don King of the bad guys.
1: Yeah, and then there's some other supporting people, but then that's that's mostly it.
0: That's pretty much it. That's the entire cast.
1: And so it's then about their their struggles because. Despite the fact that he's trained all of his life to fight, as we've established, and they have established in the film, and that he loves the fights and the arena is everything to him, he absolutely does not want to fight.
0: He's very adamant on that fact because, like, he keeps getting because Shorty keeps trying to talk him into it, and then Quinn approaches him after after he kicked her fighter's ass. She's like, "Hey, come fight for come fight with me," and she he's just like, "No, you can't make me. I don't want to fight." It's all I've ever wanted. It's all I've ever trained it's, it's, for, but I'm not gonna.
1: It's like literally the one person who could put you in a fight is standing in front of you, just asking you to fight.
0: After toiling away on this shithouse space station for a year, doing, you know, basically, you know, crappy odd jobs.
1: And as far as we can tell, being a fighter is like the best job on the station. Everywhere else just looks like a nightmare.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's just full of like poverty and... And crime, and
1: and people that are really excited about violence, and
0: a lot of people excited about violence, a lot of violence on the space station. I mean, it's not a safe place for kids. No, and yet there are children. Yes, and who knows what other horrors they're subjected to? There's probably drug use, prostitution.
1: This this movie truly um, is about the 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 poverty, and uh, and. It says a lot, you know, it's it's, it's got a really big message.
0: And this guy just wants to go back to earth instead of fighting, which is what he trained and traveled all that way to do anyway. Yeah. So that would be, uh, you know, in episodes in the past where we've talked about like the biggest, you know, plot hole or, you know, bad plot point, that would definitely be it for this one.
1: See, like if they were going to show that he was, he didn't want to fight, they should have had a reason Something else happened that made him not want to fight. Not, oh, I just couldn't get a gig. And well, like, then now that I could get a gig, I still don't want it. He needed to have another, he just didn't have any character story at all. He really didn't.
0: You know, like like if he'd been like, you know, like I got into a fight and like it back in when I first got to the station and then it upset my sister and that she jumped off a bridge. I, I you know, or like, like that would make sense. Or like right? I was
1: in a fight and I killed a man accidentally. Like, and I, I was scarred by yeah. it and it was terrible. Something. it's just
0: amazing how like a sentence or two of dialogue could have fixed that.
1: Or it could have been like, Oh, I saw the the terrible underbelly of this beast and I didn't want to be involved in it anymore. There's literally hundreds of ways we could have solved this problem. So many,
0: so many ways that we could have just cleaned that up instead of him just being reluctant and calcitrant for no reason. Yeah. But there we are. But But that's what we're left with. So that's what we have to deal with.
1: (laughs) So, um, they uh, they, they have no money. Shorty's big idea of how they're going to get money is they're going to go gamble it. They're going to gamble for uh, the winnings to get him off of this place.
0: Yeah. And that's because cause cause here's the other thing. Because Shorty, for, I, I, I must have missed it. Yeah. But Shorty is hell-bent on paying some debt, some like moral debt to Steve.
1: Yeah. Basically because uh, apparently that's that's in their culture is that since Steve protected him from the the customer... Uh, during the fight situation, fought for his honor. He's now honor bound to Steve, to make sure he gets what you know, what he needs, which is to get out of this place. So,
0: and and Shorty was super pushy about that too. Yeah, like too pushy.
1: Yeah, yeah. Shorty basically took uh, over his life.
0: Uncomfortably pushy. Yeah, it's like, oh, I owe you this life debt. So now you're gonna just do everything I need you to do now.
1: Yeah. So anyway, the, the, yeah. He, he decides gambling is going to be the best way too get the money they need.
0: And my my, my favorite thing too is like uh th- this place where they go to gamble, it's like presented like a speakeasy. Mm-hmm. And the password to get in is swordfish. And I, I I don't have any other real thoughts about that other than that's an interesting choice for a password. Especially a futuristic space, you know. Especially there's no water space or station. fish. There's there's no oceans nearby. I mean I I mean I don't know maybe that's why. Maybe because it was be such an uncommon thing. Hmm. To say, you know, like, um, like other, other good ideas for like passwords could have been good writing, <laughs> um, uh, you know, astute direction. Yeah. I don't know. You know, good makeup. <laughs> Just some ideas. So think yeah. so they get in, they go to gamble and what happens, but commissioner Dent, he's kind of
1: like a, well, Slightly before that, we meet sec- sexy gambler lady. We do meet sexy gambler lady, who's just another another person here, and she's gambling.
0: Jade, played by Sherry Shattuck, so she she has a couple scenes in the film. Yeah, you know, but she's uh, you know, she's kind of gambling. She's like, you know, tell Steve like, oh, it's you know, my you know where I'm from, it's bad luck to play the same game of chance twice.
1: Yeah, they do a little flirting.
0: They do a little flirting. You know, Steve cups her ball and then gives it a toss and she wins. And then he's he's her lucky charm after that, quote unquote.
1: And then it turns out that Shorty's a terrible gambler and loses all the money immediately. Yes. And then, and then- Commissioner
0: Dent, the man who runs this space station, where at least is the figurehead of it. I mean, he seems to be the authority of, figure. He seems to be pretty fucking powerless to me, but <laughs> so he shows up with a bunch of like robot police. Straight out of THX 1138, uh, George Lucas's first film. They have like these robotic policemen, and these guys look like they're straight out of that film. the the in, The inspiration and influence for that was pretty clear. So they break up this gambling house, this little speakeasy, and Shorty and Steve. They grab a whole bunch of money. They take off. Shorty buys Steve a ticket back to Earth.
1: And then there was a another side character is the henchman character of weasel
0: weasel
1: and that's uh, armin that, shimmerman yeah that's the henchman for um ro whatever rogar name. rogar yes uh so he saw them take the money so that's the other wrinkle in the in the thing it's this henchman guy he's kind of the eyes everywhere he, he's observing what's going on
0: very weaselly.
1: very weaselly. uh so he knows that they took the money and that uh because it's funny, at that, at that point in the movie, I'm like, okay, he bought a ticket off the station. Now the movie's over. He doesn't have to fight. Yay. We're like,
0: yay, yeah, he can go home and that'll be the end of it. And we don't have to sit through the rest of this film.
1: And then another hour of movie happened. Another
0: hour of movie happened, which felt like three hours, but it was only one. But time flies when you're having fun, right, Ken? Sure. So, anyway. So, the, yeah. So, anyway, Rogar summons them to his like a bad eighties futuristic office and basically threatens them. If he doesn't get back the 18,000 Kruger that was stolen from him. And I just think it's funny. Cause when they say, because so the unit of the monetary unit of currency is called the Kruger. And when Mark Alemo's character says Kruger, he does the thing with the fingers to like evoke Freddy Krueger, which I thought was terribly tacky but also funny.
1: It's just it's just the way he just, just moved yeah. at that time. Just happened to line up.
0: It was just, yeah. yeah. So, uh, at this point, you know, Steve, Mr. I don't want to fight. You can't make me fight. Go straight up to Quinn and basically, Hey, you know, says like, Hey, I'll fight for you. Yeah. Basically, then, you know, then give me get, the
1: money to cover it and I'll fight.
0: And I'll fight. So he gets the money and then he gives it to Rogar and then they leave and, and there's training.
1: There's fighting montage. And there's
0: fighting montages. And Steve is pretty good. He's like the first human like in 50 years to like not get his ass kicked and by all these other ridiculous
1: aliens. Apparently, he's got to do it like the hard way where he's got to like, fight everyone on his way up.
0: Yeah, because yeah, it is kind of a lengthy montage of, of fights. You know, fight one, fight two, fight four, fight five, fight six, so on. And then uh they end up at the point. Wow, god.
1: The so sexy gambler lady tries to seduce him because it turns out she is
0: she's Rogar's dame.
1: Yeah, she's Rogar's girlfriend. So she tries to get in with Steve so she can poison him.
0: And and Steve couldn't resist because she had boob window dress. Yes. There, she, was, there was there was there was side boob on both sides.
1: She was hot gambling chick. She was hot gambling chick. And Quinn was not, she was just normal, normal fitness lady.
0: Yeah, normal fitness lady or like hot gambling chick who sings also.
1: Also sings, you're right. I forgot about that. You know, She had a performance. It was really special. And not a good special.
0: The lyrics to that song were absolutely positively dreadful.
1: The song to that song was positively, positively dreadful.
0: So, uh, so Jade shows up at the gym, like, you know, like on the eve of like the big fight and distracts, you know, Steve and his giant chin. And, you know, he ends up chasing after her and's like, Hey, I, you know, I really would love to relax. And she's like, Ooh, am I supposed to help you relax? And he's like, well, why not? So she gives him a piece of plastic with her name on it, which I guess is like the key to her room. Mm hmm. And, you know, he shows up and there's, you know, shall we say, fornication that happens. Yeah. You know, some some sexual congress occurs. hmm And then she poisons the guy. Yeah. Because, you know, who didn't see that coming?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That was, uh, that was Rogar's big plan to... Uh,
1: influence the match.
0: To influence, uh, you know, the final match, you know, that would make Steve champion. Because if Steve becomes champion... Rogar's guy, Horn, isn't champion anymore. Right. And then Rogar loses all the rights and privileges of being the champion runner.
1: Yeah, and he can't, uh, he can't uh, do the, the sketchy gambling stuff anymore. That's true. If he's not at the top.
0: If he's not at the top, he does not have special privileges. Yep. It's funny how that works in life, you know? hmm You have to be thoroughly unscrupulous and evil to rise to the top.
1: Is that what this movie's the story is? Absolutely not. They <laughs> did they,
0: they did not think that far ahead or that deeply. So anyway, in the nick of time, you know, Steve almost dies, but then he's magically rejuvenated by Doctor you know, Man by Doctor Man, who's like, "I'll take no responsibility if he fights." And uh,
1: yeah, and guess what? He fights, and they got to load him up with mega crystals or whatever the hell him, was. Yeah,
0: like oh, yeah.
1: So they reverse the effect of the poison, but then. But then... The other thing is that Weasel is is setting up the... There's like a fairness machine.
0: So there's... I can't remember what it's called. The it doesn't matter. The
1: Equivatron or so, something.
0: So, so, so every match that takes place on this space station, you've got like a, a badly drawn blue beam and a badly drawn red beam, one of which goes over each, uh, each uh, contestant. And it evens out their skill levels and their abilities by, you know, reducing the stronger opponent's abilities by whatever percentage of Krell. K-R-E-L-L, if the YouTube uh, closed captioning can be trusted, which I don't think it can most times. And uh, in this particular case, about after the first round, Armin Shimmerman's character, Weasel, and some other another character who I'll just call fuck boy. I mean, he just, he lo- he just looks like a bitch
1: brain, brain computer guy. Skull,
0: skull, I guess was his name. I mean, yeah. he's just, nobody cares about him. No, he's not important to anything. He's, he, he's really not. So anyway, you know, they bring up the device to give horn an advantage. So horns, you know, kicking Steve's ass, you know, Steve's just getting absolutely clobbered and, this is where Shorty comes in
1: he, and commits. He could see something's up because all of a sudden Steve is weak out of nowhere. It's because this machine is is trying to make things fair by making him weak because they've reprogrammed it.
0: Yes, and he and he notices the lights are flashing weird or something. So he, he's like, I smell a rat or a weasel. And then he goes up and uh, confronts Armin Shimmerman in a real pansy-ass fight. Yeah. Which is it's just funny because, you know, a film based on fighting mm-hmm. and, like, ultra violence and, like, these huge ridiculous monsters and kicks and punches and blood. And it's like, uh, it's like two 10-year-old boys just, like, having a scuffle in the sandbox.
1: It's real bad. It,
0: it's just bad. And But anyway.
1: There's, like, the shots up through the grating on the floor of just two men rolling around.
0: Just kind of like pansily slapping each other and everything. It just, it's ridiculous. But the end result of that is, you know, the machinery gets shorted out. It turns off this device. And then skull who's like plugged into hit with his brain. You know, he gets, he gets electrocuted and just his, his head explodes. And that's about the most interesting thing that that character did. And, uh, Oh, and guess what? Steve suddenly all better. Now he wins the fight and that's pretty much the end of it.
1: Yes. That's the film. That is...
0: Basically, it's the film. It's the film about the boy who didn't want to fight, but really did, but didn't. And who had all the odds against him, but still won anyway. I mean, am I, am I really missing much out of there? No. I mean, within about 10, 12 minutes, I was already regretting having picked this one tonight. But And, you and, know.
1: and he, has, he has no... Uh, Horn is the proxy between Steve and the bad guy. And then after the fight, there is no final confrontation. Oh, none! They go their separate ways. Just
0: all's well that ends well.
1: Our hero is victorious, and all of his friends are happy. And the credits roll.
0: That was a very abrupt ending.
1: It was so bad. I, everything was so bad.
0: So let's, uh, let's. Let's, let's get specific about ha- how bad things are.
1: If you haven't figured it out yet, this movie was so terrible.
0: It was it was terrible in, 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 in some respects, sure. But let's uh, so first off, let's actually talk about some of the good things about this film. Okay. Because this film actually does have some good points to it.
1: The first good thing that I noticed is that they have sets. They have a lot of sets. They're varied. They are pretty good looking as far as they look like a beat down space station. In a in lot the of the parts
0: that need to be a beat-down space right. station.
1: Right. And then the kind of nice areas look very different. Um, they do stand out. So
0: it's like, you know, so like you have like, you have like their main corridor hallways, hallways right? Mm-hmm. You have like the arena. You have Rogar's office. You have his little box in the arena. You the, have the gym. Mm-hmm. You have like the little diner that Steve was working at. Yep. You have the tubes. Um, you have Jade's apartment, Jade being sexy, uh, sexy gambler girl. And there's at least a few more in there. I mean, there's, there's like, there's like a good, like 10 to 15 sets in here.
1: Cause there's also the place where he went to where he was staying before. Yeah. There's, uh, I don't know. There's some other random places.
0: Like there's, there is a lot of unique sets for this film that don't really seem to reuse parts either from what I can tell. Mm hmm. And I was actually really impressed by that because this is definitely a low-budget film. But just, you know, like the nightclub scene, the, oh man, like, yeah. So,
1: nightclub, so the the the, the, casinos. the the
0: casinos, I mean, like, the way, the, so either it's like very creative reuse of sets that already existed or they really did have, you know, like separate sets for all of these. Either way, there's a lot of visual interest on the screen as to what's going on.
1: And then to complement all that, we have a whole lot of extras.
0: A crap ton of there's extras. There's a lot
1: of bodies in this film, in a good way, and, and then makes the station feel like it's alive. There's a lot of people. There's a lot of different alien costumes and a lot of different, you know, all the people were wearing all different costumes.
0: And, uh, and, and not, to, uh, not to evoke Deep Space Nine again, or Babylon 5 for that matter, but it actually felt like a living, breathing space station in that regard.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: With all the different races, with all the different outfits... You know, like even, even like sexy gambler lady, she has like three scenes and she pretty much has a different costume in every scene. Yeah. You know, Steve has a bunch of different costumes. So, I mean, there's a huge wardrobe selection for this film, huge extra selection, a ton of, of prosthetic masks and that kind of thing. Um, Some special effects, not a ton, but some, I mean, all things considered, it was a fairly sizable production and it was punching above its height. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So those are definitely some good points about this film. Um, not all of the makeup was
1: good. No, but Mar- a couple of them were good.
0: A, a couple of them were really good. Um, Mar- uh, Armin Shimmerman's weasel character. Um, they did a really great job with it, with his prosthetics. I um, mean, he definitely has a very, you know, furry weaselly face. He's got full gloves. He's got contacts. Um dentures of a sort. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you would call those offhand, you know, fake teeth. And, um, uh, I mean, he looks convincing. Like you would not, if you weren't looking for Armin Shimmerman, you sure wouldn't have seen him. You know, you really only tell him by the voice. And on the flip side of that, you've got like people that are clearly just walking around in a rubber mask. Yeah. And you have, you do have quite a few of those, but to their credit, there's a lot of rubber masks.
1: And they tried well enough too with the, the combatants, as far as they had a number of different, way different looking aliens with different kind of capabilities, mm-hmm. as far as the fights went, so that was pretty good. Um, and none of them looked—I mean, none of them looked realistic, but none of them looked absolutely terrible. Um, you know, their rubber rubber suits or whatever. But yeah, but I mean, there
0: there's one I I can't remember what the what that character's name. In... There was one that was like multi segmented.
1: Hmm. We could see the flapping.
0: Yeah, where he had like. Where he was almost like kind of like a, not a centipede, but like, um, you know, like he had like a thorax and everything. And I mean, that was, that was a really well done Mm -hmm. one, you know, not necessarily for how it looked necessarily, but like just the mechanics of it yeah and the way, just the fact they were able to pull that off. I was really impressed with it.
1: It was interesting.
0: It was good. You know, I thought it was pretty good, you know, for, for the time and for whatever budget they had to work with. I, we can't find any info about that.
1: Yeah.
0: But, um, yeah, so that was, so those were some pretty good things about this film. Um, and the fact that they even did build some actual like miniatures for like some of the, some of the space shots and stuff. Now let's talk about some of the, uh, the negative things about this film.
1: All the rest of the things, all
0: the rest of it.
1: Um, the, I, I also mentioned it one part, point while we were watching this, this is like the first movie I've seen where the world building made the movie worse as it went along. And, um, uh, It it just, everything felt so one dimensional and like there's no greater purpose to anything.
0: I really felt like, I really felt like they were trying to push the whole like Star Wars Cantina thing on us a little bit too much. Mm -hmm. Like they were definitely uh, trying to make up for their lack of story and lack of of, of strength in the writing with all the visuals and with all the busyness. Mm Mm-hmm. And even towards the end of the film even some of that started to fall apart like uh like there's a good close up of Marco Lemo's character toward the end and you can see the line all around his face where his hairpiece is attached to his skin and his uh his makeup was inconsistent too. Sometimes he's like very silvery and other times he's almost almost flesh toned. Mm-hmm. And then there was a uh, I couldn't believe I didn't notice this till you pointed it out but like I, I did we didn't go back to watch but in the final the final battle between <laughs> Steve and horn you know we, we we went back a few seconds to look and there are because it looks like there's a whole bunch of people in the crowd right and
1: like it's a pretty decent arena
0: it's a decent arena like you've got like a you know I'd say what three four rows maybe worth of people mm-hmm. like you know kind of close up and then behind them are what look like hardboard cutouts wearing clothes. And once you see it, you cannot unsee it.
1: Because I didn't see it in any of the earlier fights. I'm sure it was there.
0: I'm sure it was too. But once I noticed it, I could not un- unsee it.
1: Yeah. Because the way they shoot it in a couple different times, you can see it looks like there's like five rows of people. Because you're just seeing the end, like on the aisle of yeah. those people. And it's only a couple people. Yeah, but it- then in those wide shots, you can see those those upper rows are not, in fact, people.
0: Yeah, they're real, and it's badly obvious that they're not. And they even made up a few of them to look like robots, Mm -hmm. which was probably a wise move Mm -hmm. because robots wouldn't have like that organic, you know, movement to them. But
1: the the only reason I picked up on it was because they had a mid shot. They had two mid shots where you could see it closer, and the long shots where they were fighting. I probably never would have noticed it if it weren't for those.
0: Like, yeah, if it was a
1: crowd reaction shot.
0: Yeah, if they had kept like that, just a little more. See, like what they could have done is just kept the focus a little softer Mm -hmm. and then mixed up some, uh, I mean, you know, let's, all you had to do is like change, change costumes on a few people, move a few people around, you know, put a couple of people back in with those cardboard and nobody would ever would have known. Yeah. It would have been so, so easy to have gotten around that.
1: But once the veil was removed, it was—it
0: was—it just, it just sto- stared at you in—in in the face. Yeah. The entire rest. of the Then battle. you could
1: see it in every long shot for the rest of the, the rest of the fight.
0: And the only other, the only other thing that was as distracting as that was the giant wire, sticking from Steve's belt when he's about to get thrown by a Horn. hmm Like that was pretty bad.
1: Yeah, the lights are just glaring off of it, so you can see the wire. It was.
0: It was. It, it was clear as day. Kind of makes you wonder, too, if, like, the guy playing Horn was supposed to be such a badass, or the character of Horn was supposed to be such a badass fighter, they couldn't find a guy to, like, lift up this other dude?
1: I mean, none I of I mean, the,
0: did that really require a wire?
1: None of the fighting was really impressive or technical anyway. I mean, it was mostly just, like, this guy smacking these rubber monsters... It was kind and,
0: of it was kind of like the film equivalent of like a button masher video game, mm-hmm. like Street Fighter or Mortal Kombat. Like especially when you don't know what you're doing, it's dumb. Early fighting. on, and you're just like, "Fight, fight, fight! Punch, 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 punch! Kick, 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 kick!" Because usually, that like
1: is- usually like in a fighting movie, it's like the technique or like the you know the differentiator between this guy and that guy. Mm-hmm. But in this, it's just oh, it's a different looking alien. So you know the big guy, he's gotta he's gotta you know smack him real hard. And he does his patented jump kick.
0: Steve's got amazing jump kicks.
1: That's like his move to knock people out.
0: Man, it reminds me of like a, when I was a little kid, like in the early '90s, I remember seeing this comedy show, and there was this there was this recurring segment. I can't remember what show it was, but there was this guy. He'd like be like in the forest or whatever, and he would just kind of jump up, and like his legs would just kind of fly through the forest at so like whatever person he was chasing, and he would like fly for like. You know, a couple hundred yards before, like, you know, getting him with his legs and just Steve's flying jump kick just kind of evoked that for me just a little bit. Just reminded me of those, uh, those old comedy shows. Yeah, you know, that was that was a a bittersweet moment. (laughs) Ah, the Halcyon days.
1: Okay, now the the real problem with this movie, which I keep finding, and we find every time we watch one of these lower budget movies it's tr- like you we were saying it's trying to punch way above where it should be mm-hmm. is that they always fail on the character writing always every time it's like you could have a low budget but if your character development is good it wouldn't be so bad this would have been an okay movie to watch if it had some better character development even if just, they kept the same sets, same costumes everything else and you cared a little bit more about the characters
0: I mean, good writing just makes all the difference. And I, I just think about like, you know, theater productions. How many like fantastically well-written theater productions have been staged with, you know, almost no costume changes with very minimal set building or, you know, even just literally just a stage and some lights. Like how many fantastic stories have been told that way with, you know, good acting And have absolutely mesmerized audiences. Like when you're given like a certain amount of money for a film. And you rely on all these other little tricks to just get around not telling a good story. I mean, what is the point?
1: Because like as as a concept, it's not that this movie is irredeemable. Uh, I mean, it's a simple story. You know, it's it's your classic fighting story. Um, But. It's all the other stuff that just makes you not care about it. It's
0: like you never, you never care about Steve. No, like he's never really relatable. He's never particularly likable. He's never really unlikable.
1: It's, he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to do what you want him to do. As a as a hero character.
0: Yeah, he really doesn't. He's, he's <sighs> Quinn. Never really steps outside of her kind of ill-defined mentor role. Shorty is very, very one dimensional. It's like, oh, I'm going to help you, kid. I'm going to help you, kid. I'm going to help you, kid. That's his whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Mark Alemo is is a fantastic you know actor, and this, you know, this movie doesn't serve him any justice either. No, he doesn't have quite. He doesn't have enough to work with. He's also a one dimensional character. You know, it 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 really is. This whole movie is just like embarrassing sci-fi schlock. And it's, it's, it's what a bunch of talentless nerds would come up with, like for a fanfic. And then they just filmed it. You know, it's like they, they, they like the visuals. They like the effects, you know, they know like they like certain kinds of characters, but they don't know what to do with that. That's exactly what this is. Right.
1: Yep. Definitely. It's definitely one of those cases of like, oh, if I show you this thing, you're just going to like it because it's it's a weird science fiction thing. But if there's not purpose behind why things happen or how they happen, then it's just moving from one scene to the next without any, we don't have any connection. Like you said, we don't really care for the main character um, at any point.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're never really rooting for him. You're never really rooting for anybody.
1: Not really sympathetic to him.
0: I mean, like you know, the movie—the movie makes it seem like you should care about him, but you—you you never get there. You know, why should you care about this guy?
1: Yeah, I—I I, pers- I like the Weasel guy.
0: Yeah, I like Weasel too. You know, Armin Shimerman is a great actor. Yeah, he's—you know—he's definitely one of the higher points of this film easily. Um, everybody else, I mean, they're just—they're just there. And that's a a wrap on this one. I mean, what else can you possibly say about it? You know, so like, you know, let's talk about some of the extraneous characters, shall we? I mean, how many of them are there? You know, they're pretty much, you know, Quinn's like two. uh,
1: Okay, if we had to go, if we had to pick one, I would say the skull.
0: Yeah, skull, skull. Okay, skull is a good, is a good choice because we, we see him early on in the uh, in the film right after they lose their jobs and they go down to the tubes and they go to Shorty's apartment skull is in there and the way like it zooms in on him and everything and it's like oh shit this guy's here but he's just like this weird little twerp with a weird voice yeah and then he goes away
1: well and he, he his purpose at the beginning is oh I'm gonna help you fix the matches yeah I'm, I I got the i figured out how we're gonna do it yeah but they'd say no we're not going to do that and he goes away. And then he only comes back at the end of the movie when they need the bad guy needs to fix the matches. And then he's there to, to to help him do that.
0: And the amazing thing is they could have completely written him out. And it could have just been Weasel that came up with that idea. Absolutely. Weasel presented that idea to Rogar anyway.
1: Because we didn't know Weasel we- wasn't a technical guy. Sure, yeah. maybe he, he could figure it out. I don't know.
0: You know, Weasel's kind of like, you know, multifaceted uh, you know, henchman, you know? Yeah. We saw that he could play cards. Mm-hmm. We saw that he was handy with a gun. Yes. Who knows what other talents he may possess?
1: It is the future. He's good at being sneaky. He's good at
0: being sneaky. He can get in and out of bad situations.
1: Getting getting out of secure areas. He does get into the 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 computer room. Yeah, I, mean, it's,
0: call it? I and I'm just saying, like, you know, this is the distant future. I would assume just about everybody would have at least, you know, a basic competency with computers. So to be, you know. Well, adept with computers is just not much of a leap.
1: Yeah. So I think that was, as far as characters who supposedly, like, headlines. you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. It was definitely the one I I would just get rid of. Oh, you gotta,
0: yeah. I just, just the way that they introduced him cracked me up, though, because they really made it like, oh, God, this guy's going to be like.
1: This is going to be a thing. A
0: thing, and he's just not a thing at all. No. It's like he shows up to, to try to be, try to offer them, you know, help. And then he shows up, you know, squirming behind Weasel when Weasel gives the proposition to Rogar, and then you basically see him at the end when his head explodes. Yeah. Like, there's just no reason for any of that. Mm -hmm. That was a waste of props. That was a waste of film time. That was a waste of that actor's time. That was a waste of our time, Ken.
1: Yes, it was. They could have given that time to, to Spinner. We could have brought Spinner back.
0: We could have brought Spinner back, and, you know, Spinner's adorable. He's I wanted to this, see Spinner again. He's just this, like, big, goofy reptile, like, in a robot suit.
1: And he's so sad because he lost the first fight so bad and, like, it damaged his robot parts, apparently, and, like, they they can't fix them. And he's like, no,
0: don't retire me. <laughs> oh, You know, I, if anybody, he was the most sympathetic and most likable character in this entire I, film.
1: I would root it for Spinner.
0: I, I, you know, I like Spinner, too. Yeah. He was, like... He had that Danger danger Will Robinson robot vibe going, you know, but he was also like part reptile. Reptile
1: robot. Like, that's the perfect combination. Yeah, it was
0: great. You know, but like also like, you know, with like that, like ah, that bumbling fool, like kind of persona. Yes. It's like, no, I can still fight. Don't, don't retire me. You know, which is not the kind of like voice and everything you would expect. Yeah. From from that character. It was
1: great. I was really hoping he was going to come back and that was the end of the, the movie for him.
0: Should have renamed this film "Arena" and the Adventures of Spinner, <laughs> and then gotten rid of like half the other characters. We can
1: make our, se- our own sequel. We should. We should straight to straight home video. Oh. All
0: right. So, like our next couple films, let's pick some good ones.
1: Yeah. Yeah. This was this was definitely dead. Yeah.
0: This was di- di- this was uh, dismal. So yeah. So I think it's. Fair to say, we don't recommend this one. Do not watch
1: this movie. Don't watch it under Unless, any circumstances.
0: Even if you're a fi- okay, so like, you know, I was a huge Star Trek nerd growing up. I'd even go as far to say Star Trek dork. Yeah, and I watched Deep Space Nine from the time it aired to the time it went off the air.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Same thing with Next Generation. You know, loved loved Quark, loved Gul Dukat, loved loved those actors, and they're they're basically wasted on this. I, w- I would say that Armin Shimmerman gives the best performance. Mm.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: You know, but e- e- even so it's not his best work and it's certainly not representative of what he is capable of. And it's when you look at people like Mark Alemo and Claudia Christian and Armin Shimmerman in a, in a movie like this, all you can see is just wanted to work. Mm-hmm. Just flash across the screen. They just wanted to be in front of a camera. And put something on their resume that like I did a film.
1: I think there's something to be said too for some of these movies. Like, it has the look and sounds of a movie. So I think sometimes pe- these people too, they don't know exactly how bad the movie is going to be. You oh sure, you know
0: they hope for the, you know they they see they see what they have to work with, and they just kind of hope for the best too. Yeah, yeah.
1: I, I mean that's that, uh, that's I I I hope that is how sometimes people come to these movies (laughs) you know it's like oh this this looks all right but then the finished product is is just terrible and this movie isn't even like you can have fun watching it because it's bad it's just a chore to get through
0: ah it wasn't a chore at first but it definitely became a chore after like the 40 minute mark i i know for you it was probably within five minutes but for me it, it took me about halfway through the film
1: this this before was, I
0: was just finally like ah shit.
1: This was a oh no what have what have we done movie like right from the beginning for me.
0: Those fades though between the scenes the transitions oh those yeah those are pretty
1: bad yeah.
0: I mean this really does look like a made for TV film. And it took uh what so it's not even I, I can't even find definitive info on when this film was made. YouTube says 1991. Uh other places say 1989. And then in the trivia on IMDb says 1988. Yeah. So apparently it was made around 88 or 89 and actually released in 91. Right. So that's another thing that's like not very promising. No. So they made it and they probably showed it to people who helped finance it. And they couldn't find anyone to distribute it. And they were like, there's no way we're going to put out this piece of shit. Yeah. And it probably ended up like direct to video. Yeah. And they probably never made their money back either. Because what would possibly compel you to pick this up at the time? In 91.
1: Nothing. Nothing. There's, there's not. There's nothing good
0: here. There's nothing good here. <laughs> and so you have it.
1: Save your brain cells.
0: Save your brain cells. Save your time. All right. I guess that's a wrap on this one. If you enjoyed this segment, please subscribe to our channel on YouTube or follow us wherever you're listening.
1: Thank you for tuning in and we'll be back next week with a brand new review here on Complimentary Cinema at the ONM Stockroom. I have been your host, Ken O'Malley.
0: I'm Brian McGarry.
1: Thank you again.